is the Living in Post-Christian America podcast. My name is Brand Hansen. Lance Ford is here. Please note and appreciate how we don't waste time at the beginning of the podcast, except for right this second. I mean, I'm wasting time right now, but generally speaking, bam, we're into it. And I want to start with a thought here. It's okay, Lance. Rock and roll. All right. We're going to talk about politics here and Christians in this culture. I wanted to start with this. I was learning recently about uh, shepherds and they talked about this on the Bama podcast and learning a lot from that. But I didn't know that shepherds were mainly girls. I didn't know that. Like traditionally, it's more of a girl thing in the ancient Near East and the modern Near East. I didn't know that. I also didn't know that the stick that they use, I always thought that was to kind of nudge the sheep around. Like, hey, go over here, go over here. That's, they don't. That's not what the shepherd's crook is for necessarily. It's actually to get predators away from the sheep. So you can use a stick to hit them or grab them and pull them away from the sheep. I didn't know that. They don't use the stick to move the sheep. They use their voices. Mm. And they walk behind the sheep and say this or that. And the sheep get so dialed in to that shepherd's voice that when she says, you know, go this way, go that way, it's distinct to her voice. So let's say the shepherd leaves and a new shepherd brings their, you know, molds two groups of sheep together. And that new shepherd says, hey, go over here. The sheep that belong to the other shepherd don't react because it's not the voice. They get bonded to mm-hmm. the voice. And interestingly, what I also didn't know, besides the fact that this that God uses his voice to guide his people, like not the stick, uh, as, a, as, his, as a shepherd, but the goats are awesome in the context of sheep, in one sense, they are very, um, it, it just works together. There's a synergy there because they like to eat different stuff. So the sheep like mm-hmm. the tufts of grass, the goats like everything else. They'll eat anything else. You know how goats are. So they can kind of make a good group. And then you get the, the dairy products from the goat and you get the wool from the sheep. And it's a nice combo there. But the goats don't care about the voice. Like, they follow along behind. They're not motivated by voices at all. And as somebody who's, you know, like, whoa, I did, never thought about that, looking at how Jesus divided the sheep and the goats. Mm. But I also thought about his voice in, in politics now and how all-encompassing it is, how consumed everybody is. And I think that's by design. Like, that's part of an ideology that it's going to bleed. Like, the personal is political. There's nothing you do that doesn't have political ramifications. It's not like... So this has to bleed into everything. Everything becomes so grindingly important mm. and political. Yeah. How do you hear the voice of the shepherd in the midst of all of that? Like, in the, in the rest of the flock that we're in, the, the larger culture is all going this direction. Whether they're liberals or conservatives or whatever they are, they're still going in the direction of power is where it's at. Like, how do you, in the midst of all that noise, be like, that's not the voice I follow, though. Right. So I was just thinking about that because I was just learning about the sheep thing. And I'm always anxious to talk about sheep because they're cool. But that's one thing I was thinking about. I also wanted to propose an idea, which, you know, when I first hit friends with this, they were like, you're nuts. And that's, you're talking out of privilege and all sorts of things they were saying. But I hit them with the idea that maybe, just maybe, we're supposed to be completely apolitical. And I am tending more and more to be going that direction. And people think that's really dangerous. I mean, on left and right, they mm-hmm. think it's very dangerous. Sure. But that's kind of where I am right now. 
and I have convictions about issues. You better believe it. I don't, I've shared this with people before. I'm very much, I, the, the logic of abortion to me doesn't make sense. I don't follow it scientifically. It doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Even when they wrote the Roe v. Wade, like I think it was Blackman that wrote the, the majority opinion. He wrote that if we, if we do discover scientifically that this is a human being, well, then obviously we have to invest it with the right to life. So we have sonograms now. We, we, we know. It, it, right. Right. So even then, I'm still saying, as somebody who has convictions about that issue, that being apolitical seems like the way to go. And then I see Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by Satan, and Satan's offering him political power. And Jesus says, no, yeah. it's not going to happen that way. Yeah. This is not how I do things. It's not with the stick. The stick is the Egyptian way. It's the empire way. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. Bam. Right? Right. It's not going to happen this way. Yeah. But it's so hard for us to let go of that. It's like in a democracy, I feel like democracy is its own personal tyranny in a way. Mm. And what I mean by that is, I think it's in Macbeth or somewhere where Shakespeare's writing like heavy is the head that wears the crown. Mm. It's Mm -hmm. a real responsibility. It weighs on you if you're Mm -hmm. the king. Mm -hmm. Well, we are all taught that we basically all wear the crown. Yeah. We're responsible for who gets elected. We're responsible for the policy. If you don't like it, you need to act to do something against it. That's part of democracy. Now, I love it in one hand. I mean, it's, it's, it's preferable to me to, mm-hmm. to a lot of other ways of government. I'm not, I, sure. I love it. I'm thankful for America, all that. But, man, that's a lot of responsibility that we all have to wear, all of us. Yeah. But I do feel like that's where a lot of this comes from. Like, if we lived in a benevolent kingship with a good king— it would be such a relief as children. We would just be mm-hmm. like, I'm not in charge. Yeah. We don't, we can complain all we want, but we don't have any. And I'm not saying I want a monarchy because humans are broken, but you can see like, this is a weight that we are all wearing and it's loud and it's heavy and it's not working in the sense that <laughs> any of us want it to. Right. So thoughts on that. What do you think? Apolitical? Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big matzo ball there. I know. That you're dropping. I know. It's crazy, isn't yeah. it? Well, you know, the thing is, I think that for us as believers, we have to do a little reverse engineering. And we have to start with, okay, what is the gospel? Most people think the gospel is a message about, it's that it starts, it pretty much starts and ends with, you know, Jesus gave himself for us on the cross. He's resurrected so that you don't have to go to hell. That's, that's well, I'll say this, that's, very popular idea among yeah, some Christians, right. but equally, maybe not equally popular, but maybe is the idea that Jesus was here to bring about political liberation for the poor. I mean, that has become a gospel as well. Yeah, so there's to, both to, of those. To, to a lot of people, yeah. right, to a lot of people. So but I would say the prevailing idea still goes back to that evangelical idea of, hey, this is this is the message that saves you from from hell, right? So maybe, yeah. I mean, if you're among evangelicals, that's it depends right. on where you're at, right, 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 right. But regardless, both of those statements, what you said, what I said, both of them on the table, it's still what we. And I've said this to groups before. I said Jesus didn't preach the gospel. Of course, that makes everybody that's looking at their iPhones look look right. up. Oh, uh-huh. you got my attention now. No, Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. Right. Right, over and over and over this way, the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. So what's he doing? He is establishing a new geopolitical system, but it's not of this earth. And that's so hard for us to get our heads discombobulated from, right? Pilate couldn't get it. The disciples couldn't get it. Yeah, it was like, yeah, right, They're with exactly. him three years every day hearing from Jesus, right? 
and just can't believe that that would be the case. Yeah, I know you said that. I know you said that, Jesus. But oh, come on. But really, you know, really, you're. We know where the power right, is. Really, come on. you know. So I mean, even down to his last days, they're right. jockeying for position for po- the political. Hey, can I become Secretary of Defense? Can I become Vice President? Can I become Speaker of the House? You know, it's like because we know you said that, but really, come on, you're really going to establish something here. And <laughs> Jesus is like, no, I will subvert power. I will subvert power, and that's what my kingdom will be of. It's not through earthly power. So Peter grabs a sword. I mean, you're talking about up to the last minute. Right. Not getting it. Right. Up to that not getting it. Right. Even then. Yeah. And so for some reason, we think we would be different than those guys. We're not different. We're still we're saying the same things. We're, we have the same angst. We have the fear of the other side, of the other political group. If American Christians put faith in the kingdom of heaven like they do in political parties, we would change this world. But we operate so much on fear. I mean, I'm talking on both sides. I'm talking oh, absolutely. progressive rights, uh, left, leftists and, and, and conservative rightists, that it's all driven on fear. And you never see Jesus lead with fear. You never see the Holy Spirit lead with fear. Peace, peace, you know, peace be still. Fear not. People think, just as a thought experiment, now most people listening to this are probably going to be like, this is bananas, this idea that we're going to be apolitical. Maybe it's not even possible, they think. But I'm thinking the reason the culture is going the way it is is because people don't see Jesus for real. They see us basically talking about Jesus a lot, but basically using the same, we're after the same stuff. Mm -hmm. We're still after the power. Still after money, still after like that's that's their impression, right? So for us, if we were thought experiment to swear off like any power plays at all, do you think that would anger uh, the larger culture, mystify them, and attract them? I think it would. All three, it would get their attention. It would. They'd be like, <laughs> they're different. Yeah, they're not about the same things that I am. Right. We would be treated with some contempt because. We already are to some extent, but there'd be different kind of contempt, which is like, you don't even understand where it's at, man. You don't even yeah. get it. But that's that's the contempt that Pilate had for Jesus and going, what? So you're the king or are you or not? Yeah. You're not. You're not interested in the, you're not interested in this? Right. You you're not interested you in power. You don't want this? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, he's literally just kind of contemptuous. Like, right. Like, I just wash my hands. I don't even want to waste time executing you, frankly. Like, right. This is just... I don't even know what you, right. you're just, what are you after? Right. I would love for people to treat us that way. Like to look at us and go, they're not, they're not into this like we are. Like they're, they've got something else going on. Right. There's a different agenda. There's a different goal. Yeah. You know, there's it, a different MO here. And for all the interjections that would naturally happen, and I totally get this. And I, again, if you disagree with me as I'm thinking through this or Lance, that's totally fine. Like we respect you, but the idea that, well, we got all these problems now. We have to address this. And I bring up abortion as an example. Mm-hmm. Well, that has to be addressed politically. Okay, but you know what? They had infanticide that was going on in the Roman Empire. Which was horrendous. Horrendous. I don't think most people... No, they don't understand. They haven't looked at the history of it, realize... How awful. And it's yeah. murder. Yeah. It's, I mean, literally, literally, on a given day, you could walk through the streets of Rome, and there would be baby girls laid out. Or taken to the river. Right, right. Just So that was exposed. a reality in Jesus' day. Yeah. He see, I mean, he, the, he sees it all the time. The moral decay that we think is completely, like, that's only now? Uh-uh. Right, right. Oh, no. 
Right. No, that was going on then. Ra- and, the racism. Oh, come on. You don't think that the he was levels in a, of it? Ra- he was in an oppressed, occupied area yeah. too. Like right. the political occupation that was invalid, the racism that was rampant, the yeah. inequities. The like, where was he? Why wasn't he accepting that deal that Satan gave him? Like, just take the political power, man. Right. Imagine Jesus as earthly king with earthly power. Settling for this kingdom, he could make some real changes yeah. to all of that stuff. Right, right. Why didn't he do that? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an intriguing question, right? So it, that is the question that faces us. If you could be like, but what about, we've got these issues, right? I know we do. Sure. I know, but do we really believe this other kingdom thing or not? Right. Because Jesus says, look, I will subvert other kingdoms, but I'm going to do it from within, right? I mean, it's like yeast. And this is, you yes. start listening to Jesus say, the kingdom's like this, the kingdom's uh-huh. like that. The Starts to make like, sense. Right. He doesn't say, hey, the kingdom's like a box of dynamite that you just, you know. He said, no, the kingdom of, uh, of God is like eh, this little mustard seed. Oh, it's like this yeast that you really can't even see. Really? And up, against just, right, up against Rome? Up against the right, might we're, of we're Rome. Gonna, we're gonna, a we're, mustard we're seed? We're going to subvert Thanks. Rome with a mustard yeah, seed. Yeah, that's realistic. With, with uh, you know, Fleshman's uh, yeah. envelope of yeast. That's how we're going to Like, what? What? Are you, have you lost it? Right. right. It'd be like this podcast, the way people are receiving this podcast, probably. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, what? Right. But what's, what he's saying is I'm going to create a, a heavenly citizenship. You know, I'm going to create people that are from a different place mm-hmm. and, ha- and, and have a different ethos and have a different ethics and have a different economy that are going to come in and live differently because here's the thing is that, you know, we have to recognize that culture at any or politics at any given time are downstream from culture that created them, especially in a representative well, government. Right? right. So, you know, Absolutely. we look at our politicians, our senators, our governors, our congressmen, our presidents, and we are aggravated or we hate them for this or we like them for that or whatever. They re present us. Mm-hmm. It's it's a mirror of who we are. So if you want to change culture, you don't do it by changing the mirror, you know. Well, I hate the way I look. You know, mirror, mirror, on. so I'm going to bash the mirror or I'm going to put makeup on it. No, I have to change because this is just a reflection of me. You don't do it from that side. You never see Jesus or the early church trying to change culture through political power. It's just right. not there. The difficulty, though, is in a democracy. This is the challenge. It's like, because it's a democracy, we have the option to protect people. I mean, this is the this is the counter argument. Like, you can right. protect people by holding a political office, even locally, to make good changes. So that's that's the tricky thing. If we were in a, a complete monarchy and you had no chance to be part of the royal family, you wouldn't have to struggle with that. Right. And honestly, that's the political culture that they're talking into, that Jesus is talking into at the time. This, I'm just laying out why this is, can be difficult to sure. grapple with because we do have the option to do things that are genuinely protective of the vulnerable. Right. And we have an obligation, too. So we're by no means are we saying, hey, you know, just uh, forget laws, you know, because you're going to change people from the inside anyway. So, yeah, you don't need laws. No, we need laws. We need order, right? We need these things. So we're, we're not saying, I know we're, I know you're not saying by being apolitical, and I'm certainly not saying you just put your head under the sand and, you know, completely disengage of, from an orderly culture. That's not what we're saying. We're saying you don't put your hope in those systems and you don't go all in on it. And the fact is you can look at the last couple of political cycles easily 
and see something's changed in the hearts of Americans and something's changed in the hearts of Christian Americans. There is an overriding fear and distraught mindset that, man, I mean, you're here at the last two political, uh, the last two presidential elections. This is the most important presidential election in our lifetime. You know, I mean, like complete fear, like it's going to be the end of the world if the wrong guy gets in. And when Trump won, progressive Christians were weeping and wailing as if the end of the world had come. And then, you know, when Biden won, Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. In fact, no, he couldn't have won. It couldn't be possible. It can't be possible. It never, you know, it's the end of the world. It's like, where's your hope? Yeah, so we, that means we bought into the wrong kingdom. Completely. Yeah, and we're missing the gospel. That's exactly right. Exactly. Paul is writing to churches and he's telling people, maybe it's Peter too, but like submit to authorities in the midst of the worst possible leadership for Christians. <laughs> the worst. And still, it's optimistic and it's submit and pray for those in authority. Like, even in the midst of that. So it can't be, to, to, we have to be the, the only people in the culture who are not overrun with anxiety. Right. We're the non-anxious voice. You know, it's the world is not ending to us. We know better. <laughs> right. And, and I love what you said there, the, the, the non-anxious voice. If you read First Peter, I love the epistle of Peter because it's really written for these type of times. And so uh-huh. he's, he, he's writing it to seriously persecuted Christians. And so they're going through all this persecution, legitimate persecution. I mean, they're not just getting their Twitter accounts canceled and stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're really losing their lives. But in the midst of all this, Peter makes this statement in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, keep the Lord Jesus holy in your hearts. Always be ready to answer everyone who asks to explain about the hope you have. Yeah. Be, be ready to give an answer for the reason of the hope. So this is, right. I think about that and I think, you know what? In most office buildings in America, if there's still water coolers, I don't know if there are, but, you know, proverbially, the, standing around the water cooler, in the last few years, I doubt there's been many non-Christ followers walk up to Christ followers and go, Why are you so hopeful? Why are you so, hopeful? Why are you so at peace? Tell why, us. Tell, tell, tell me why you're so hopeful. No, but why? Because we're just as anxious as everybody else is. We're just this freaked out and fearful and fraught and distraught, you know, on November 2nd before, oh, God's going to, you know. Mm-hmm. They're not going, why are you so at peace? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you freaking out? They should be. We should be living in such a way that we are espousing this tangible hope yeah. and peace. Why are you so hopeful? Why are you so hopeful? I mean, I think that's but a But what if my party just lost? Yeah, it's like, oh, it's, and, and look, could, this is the verse. This is the verse that apologetics are built out of because this is the- I know. I, this I, is I, the, right. It's like, have, a, have an answer ready. Be, right, be no, ready no, no, no. or uh, to get, I think King James says to give a defense. So we're like, get ready to yeah. put your dukes up. To defend the gospel. That's no. the terrible translation. It's no, be able, be ready to give it an answer for the reason that you're so hopeful. And that's spoken directly into a culture that is absolutely anti-Christian. Completely. We're going to kill we you. We want to take you out. Right. Right. Be ready. Right. Tell everybody why you're so hopeful. I mean, that's stunning. It is. It's so, you're you're almost, uh, our, our, our political fixation is such that Suggest, I think we, it's a God. It is a God. Because if you challenge it, if you, if you diminish 
If you diminish the importance of politics, it's blasphemy to people. Oh. They literally, you can't do that. Right. You, you, they'll come up with a million different academic sounding reasons why you can't do that. Right. right. But right. it's it's blasphemy. That's how oh, godly that, the, this is. The, the, the apolitical, the, like for you to say, yeah, I'm I'm not voting. Blasphemy. You have, you have a you have a, a God given obligation to well, no, I'm not voting. I can't in good conscience vote for this one or for that one. Oh well, you're just you just don't want to be responsible. No, this is actual an action. This is my vote. My vote is not to vote. I am not in on either one of these. I am in on the kingdom and in my heart. I'm, I'm saying if this is mm-hmm. a person's stance, mm-hmm. but they're going to get blasted. No, it, again, any diminishing of it yeah, right. is, is because, be So what we've done is we, we've sacralized politics. We've sacralized the vote, for instance. And so we're like, no, that's, that's sacred. And so you have a stewardship of that. Well, you just, you just, you cannot by any stretch of the imagination build a case for that theologically. I talk to people who are believers in God. They believe God exists. Nice people. But the idea that I wouldn't want to stay abreast of every issue is, again, it's blasphemy to them. Yeah, right. Like, no, you need to read this. You need to get, what about this? Can you believe, like, what the, that just happened today? Like, the latest take. And I'm talking about left and right. Certainly. It's the left tends to view politics as an end by ideology. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just a fact. But the right has become that way. No question. And we're hit on both sides. Somebody's either got MSNBC rolling 24-7 or they got Fox rolling 24-7. Yep. And these are people who are believers in Jesus. And I'm just like, this is killing you. Yeah. This is it's so oppressive. It's it, how are you going to hear it, the it, voice exactly. of the shepherd who will brings peace? Where's the peace? Where's the hope going to come from? Yeah. They're not offering it and it's in their vested interest to not let you be at peace. Yeah. Peace is the last thing they want you to experience. Everybody says they want peace but nobody has it. Yeah. And these this consumption of news under the guise of you have to do this. I mean it's your it's a moral duty that right. you're aware of all right. of this stuff like that's not true. We need right. we need especially the older people that they're targeting. We could use some 70-year-olds who are at peace and right. not rolling the news constantly. Oh, exactly. Working themselves into a frenzy and being worried and worked up and angered. Like that's what makes those things operate. We could use some voices of wisdom. If anybody wants to do it, especially older people, you could just shut it off. Because <laughs> we need you. You're right. awesome. You know, and I love, and of course, I guess we're probably wrapping this one up, but you, you opened it up with that voice of the shepherd. And man, there, you just punctuated it. They still, the shepherd's voice of peace. Yeah. You know, and, and when you've got all this static, this 24-7 news cycle static, how do you think you're going to be able to hear him? His still small voice. That, small voice making making you lie down in green pastures. In green, and that's what I've, I've pulled up. I'm sitting across from you, and I just uh-huh. pulled up Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh-huh. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence mm-hmm. of my enemies. You know my 
head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm-hmm. Don't you just feel the peace of that? And he had enemies surrounding him. Yeah. That wanted to kill him and everybody in his kingdom. Yeah. When he's writing that. Right. So substitute politics for God in that. Yeah. Politics is my shepherd. Yeah. I lack nothing. Politics leads me to lie down in green pastures and refreshes my soul. Really? Yeah. It, it, you, you, you won't fear anything. No, no, you're reminding me. He goes, no, 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 that's no. antithetical. No, and, and the idea that you wouldn't be fearful, and people can say, and I understand, again, the trajectory of the culture, I think, is, is going to go further and further away from anything recognizably Christian, per se. Right. It's going to be more and more against people like me, okay? Yes. So am I scared? No. No, I'm not. No. Well, you got to be scared. What about your kids and your grandkids? No. No. No, I'm not fearful. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even if enemies are around me, no, I'm not, because I, I really do believe in this kingdom. I believe God's good, and he's more powerful than they are, and he's got my back. Right. And he'll prepare a table for me. So you're telling me about the hope that lies within you? If Is I this the reason for yeah, the hope that yeah, lies within it. you? Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Thanks for asking. I have a ready answer right there. Bam. <laughs> 